Grow VC, or Grow Venture Community, is a very international organization that describes itself as a community-based platform dedicated to entrepreneurs and investors. Recently, I had the opportunity to speak to Marcus Lampnan, COO of Grow VC. This is that interview. I hope you enjoy it. Where does Grow VC come from? When did it start? And, and what's your particular involvement with it? So... Um First of all, a little bit about our background at GrowVC. Uh, in our founding team, we have lots of entrepreneurs. We have people that have been through the path of an entrepreneur, but also the path of an investor and investing in startups. I think we have, uh, we have tens and tens of years of experience with entrepreneurship within our founding team. Yeah. So we've kind of seen the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, especially with entrepreneurs looking for funding. And with the rise of uh, models such as Kiva, and then later on with Kickstarter and Indiegogo and so on, we saw that the time was right for doing something about these issues. So this was back in 2008 when we started looking at entrepreneurs raising capital, but also from the other side of the table at investors looking for the right deals to invest in. And we recognized that with the, with the internet, lots of the old arguments for investing weren't necessarily true anymore. Yeah. For example, the fact that Lots of investors, specifically angel investors, they typically only invest locally. Well, even from an investor's point of view, you can't guarantee that the best deals and best opportunities are in the local setting. Yeah. And then also for entrepreneurs, this means that if they were only forced to look from the na- their neighborhood, that would really, really limit the amount of exposure and the access to capital and the right people that they have. Then coupled with the venture capital landscape, where venture capital is their portfolios performance hasn't been that good, which has led to a lot of pressure with their uh, investments. Lots of funds have also gone under in the last, let's say, 10 years. Yeah. But this has led to VCs then moving upward in their focus. So fewer deals, larger deals, and very much avoiding the early stages. Of course, there are exceptions. But on a global level, we see that these two trends were the kind of start of why we started this mission. Yeah. And then, of course, if you look at early stage deals, there might be great opportunities, but they typically have very little information on the business itself because they don't have yet maybe that much of history. They don't have that much traction. They don't have data on their operating models and so on. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge risk for people to invest there. So we thought of models in order to get more information, more transparency, and just get the right capital to the right types of opportunities. Because we saw that there was a mismatch between these. And this was very much where we started in 2008. But of course, a lot has happened. uh, Indeed. And it's it's continuing to happen, uh, as, as we know, with some of the legislative changes that have already been enacted, but those that are proposed in the United States that appear to clear the way a little bit more for some form of equity-based crowdfunding within the the boundaries of the U.S. How do you think that's going to shape things uh, for the next few years? What is it is definitely a very interesting question, and we've been watching that very closely for, uh, well, the past six months. And we've even talked with, we're actually talking with uh, Congressman McHenry tomorrow in Los Angeles. So we've been very, very close to that. But at the same time, we recognize that it's not, this isn't a market that's going to happen overnight. This isn't something that is a short-term victory, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So we at Grow VC, we've definitely approached it from the long-term perspective because we see that 
the reasons for new funding models being needed, such as better access to capital, but also for capital to better access the right deals, more efficiency, more transparency, and just less wasted money in this entire ecosystem. Yeah. We see that that definitely leads to better economic growth, employment, and whatnot. So the reasons are fundamental and they're long-term. So we definitely always view it as a long-term change in this ecosystem rather than something that's going to well, happen overnight. Sure. So we see that more as an indication rather than uh, a change in itself because we've already seen that, of course, there's lots of different uh, angles to this. And even though it was one of the pieces of legislation that got bipartisan support in this, this economic time where nobody – well, where it's very hard to get new initiatives off the ground, especially with uh, – well, especially with policies in the U.S. And, and whatever is going on there. Yeah. But we definitely see that it's a strong indication for why it's so important and the fundamental reasons behind this. And uh, the U.S. is one country, but there are similar initiatives now emerging in other countries like, for example, Canada and the U.K. Yeah. So it's definitely uh, has a has a global trend because I think that um, there are so many different things that actually play into this entire landscape. But even the role of entrepreneurship and startups, that's been emphasized in the last couple of years with the economic crisis. And I think it's back to basics with many different nations that just look at where their long-term jobs come from, where their competitive advantage and innovation actually stems from. Yeah. And that's, that's really at the core of why this is so important, but also why, why we need to remove any of the outdated hurdles that stand in the way of more economic growth and just more innovation and yeah. job growth. And you know, you, one of the things that you stress about uh, Grow VC is that uh, you describe it as, a, as an investor ecosystem. So you see it as being much more than, than just a, a crowdfunding platform. This is an environment that brings together both the demand and supply side. And it's a very international perspective that you have as well. Yeah, that's true. And I think, I mean, we deal with, um, I like to say 200 countries because it's a rounder number, but <laughs> I, I often say over 196 because by some sources there aren't more, more countries than 196. <laughs> but we are virtually in every single country of the world except North Korea. Okay. But basically, um, we definitely see that, that crowdfunding is a part of this ecosystem. But we see that it can't be the only part. Um, to elaborate on this a little bit, we're building a marketplace that connects all the actors from startups to those that want to invest $20 to those that want to invest much more than $20. So, for example, angel investors, angel networks, venture capital companies, but also all the way up to uh, larger funds like, uh, for example, private equity funds and whatnot. But we see that by providing these, we don't only cater to startups at one point in time because if a startup raises capital in its seed round, then that's great. That's probably great for the startup, great for the investors as well, and that will have a sub uh, substantial impact on something. But startups need more cash than just the seed round. They need then their, let's say, Series A, or even if they don't need more cash, that they're cash flow positive and they have great growth, they're going to need other parts of the ecosystem like uh, advisory groups, like uh, stock exchanges, mm -hmm. other types of partners like distributors, depending on the business, and all these different types of actors. So we always approached it so that we're kind of like a network of networks. And 
we ourselves focus on solving the early stage problem for startups. That's definitely our core operations. Okay. But we definitely see that by allowing other actors access to this ecosystem and by getting them involved early on, what I talked about early on uh, about the, uh, the scarcity of information at the early stages, if you have, for example, a startup that's able to raise, let's say, $100,000 from 20,000 individuals or something like that, mm -hmm. that's already information. And yeah. that's, not, that's not loans, that's not pre-purchases of products, that's actual investments into the company. If people actually invest their money into a company, then that must signal something. At the very least, you know that you have uh, potential evangelists, you have people that have vested interests in the company. Indeed. And this is very valuable information for other types of actors like uh, incubators or other types of investors like venture capitals. Yeah. Or, so we definitely see that it's, uh, it has to be an ecosystem. It has to be a global ecosystem where entrepreneurs and startups can sign up, but also other types of players can sign up and participate in the ecosystem so that we can nurture innovation, not just in one point in time, but rather just kind of be a, a virtual ecosystem that connects the dots all the way from where they start and then on their path forward. Okay. So, so if I were if if I were an entrepreneur, shall we say, doing uh, with a startup, um, I could join the the Grove VC community. And essentially, what's on offer is a is a shop window that allows you to set out a, 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 your proposition, and you can effectively reach out for resources of of many different sorts. One of which is is funding. And I, I, is that funding typically in exchange for equity or, or, or are you a different type of model? So in our platform, uh, there are indeed many models because we also recognize that that one model isn't going to work for all startups because there are so many different types of startups. But we focus on the real investments. So for uh, we focus on the real equity investments. Of course, since the regulation and legislation is still early on in this market, we have limited the service in some places, like, for example, the U.S. pending the regulation. Yeah. But definitely the point is that you as a startup or as an entrepreneur, you can sign up to the platform, you can set up your profile, your startup profile, list your details there, and then you can um, provide different types of information for different types of actors, and you can manage then who sees that. You can manage... Uh, your investor relations, so to speak. We like to also think of our tools as kind of a social social investor relations management system yeah. because that's that's what entrepreneurs nowadays also need. But definitely we focus on the early stage funding, but then via this ecosystem and via our networks program, we also have then different types of actors that can have different types of support that they can provide to startups. Like, uh, for example, we work with lots of incubators, accelerator groups, uh, universities, investors, different funds. We even work with uh, the World Bank in Africa. And basically, the point is that we focus on the early stage funding and we provide tools for that. But our tools can be used for so many different things, like, for example, with incubators, just to manage the different startups, the different uh, investors and stakeholders, like, um, for example, mentors, uh, advisors, and whatnot they have yes. there. And yeah. just kind of get everybody to have profiles, get the transparency in place, but also just bring this social element to uh, something that's usually very unstructured. Yes. So definitely we focus on the funding, and that's the big opportunity to solve. 
But even if a startup gets funding, it's going to require other things. So we want to connect the dots with the different players that that have interest in this space and can actually cater to the startups. Okay. So what what, what do you think is a is a typical um, funding round for for a startup in in a, a grow VC context? What what could you expect to raise typically? That depends a lot. Um, depends. I think since we have such a diverse audience from different countries and different types of companies, we've seen uh, we've seen deals of tens of thousands of dollars, but we've even seen t- deals of several millions of dollars. Okay. So it definitely depends on the the type of company, the type of investors, and uh, the type of model that they use. I could actually give you a couple examples. Just That'd kind be of, great. So, for example. Um, we had one case early on, I think 2010, that joined our platform, uh, an entrepreneur from uh, Australia that produced a recycling shower product. Okay. And this was one of the game changer moments for us as well, because he approached us saying that he talked with lots of different uh, venture capitalists, he's talked to lots of different investors, they all love his product, but since he's not a software company, they can invest into his product. And we saw that there was huge demand for what he's doing, huge support. But this was the time that we were also figuring out who our core audience is. And he, as a clean tech company, was very different. But he then uh, proved us definitely that it's all about the entrepreneur. He raised $100,000 from, um, I think, 300 investors, something like that, from a global crowd. And this is also why it's so important that it's actual equity investments, because uh, he's producing a shower that he can't pre-sell. He has a product that's not suitable for Kickstarter, for example. He actually said that if he were to try to do something like that, it would bankrupt his company because uh, he doesn't have distribution in different com- different countries. And at the same time, producing a shower is very different from writing software. Sure. So the different uh, investors that he got on board uh, they served as uh, kind of feet on the ground in different markets for him, got him different types of deals, different distribution in different markets, and actually sent up the this particular example. They're the winners of last year's Green Challenge out of the Netherlands. So, okay. so they won $700,000 there. And uh, as Nick said, yeah, as I talked to him, he said that he, he now has 300 very happy investors. Because okay. they, in effect, they got free money. Indeed. So that's all. It was um it was a very interesting case for us to follow because it's um it's definitely proven that it's not even though the money money is important it's not just about the money it's also about the actual people that are engaged with the company that actually have something to gain by seeing the company succeed. Yeah. Then the other case that we've seen that I mentioned I think the company was out of South America they raised uh, three million dollars but they had. The, was it four or five investors in the company? Mm-hmm. So this was more about the traditional type of investors, like uh, those private individuals that are high net worth individuals that know the business and invest larger ticket amounts into yeah. these types of businesses. But at the same time, this was a company where the the entrepreneur was, he lived in the US for 27 years and then moved to South America. Okay. And he found it very hard to get connections there. And obviously, for he had strong connections in the U.S., but obviously it's hard for him to get U.S.-based people to invest in his company, which is far away in South America. Indeed. So he found those connections on the platform, and he was able to then raise a larger amount of money. 
But at the same time, it was a different type of company and the investment was, um, well, the investment type was, of course, also different. It wasn't the micro-investor, so to speak. No, indeed. But that company has also, I think it was acquired late last year. So it's also been an interesting case to watch from, uh, well, in effect, from start to finish in a way. Yeah. And both of these deals, I think, were closed in, uh, I think, well, seven to ten weeks, something like that. So that's pretty quick. It is, but it definitely correlates with the entrepreneur himself. Yeah. So it's people think that or people tend to think that by just putting it online that the actual economics and the actual game of startup funding would change that it wouldn't require the hustle mm. whereas it definitely requires the exact same hustle but you just do it differently yeah so it's more efficient you have more tools but it's we like to also we like this concept of a marketplace that we see lots of different startups. I think currently there's over three thousand startups in the platform that are looking for some type of funding. Okay. So definitely all of them aren't going to get funding, and that's not the point either. So it's matching the right amount of cap, the right capital with the right cases. And what we really want to do with the marketplace is improve the actual success rate of the investments by incorporating more people in the early stages. Yeah. Um, Alan from our team, he has a saying that nobody's as smart as everyone. Um, so true. I think it's, it's, a very, it's a very powerful message that if you're actually able to leverage thousands of people at the early stages, then, well, we're betting on that it will impact the actual actual dynamics and success of that that investment because Indeed. by default you have thousands of people that will be rooting for the company if nothing else yeah so that kind of distributed cognition acts as a kind of validation and sense check on on the proposition that's being offered but also can you know offer tremendously diverse resource and also tremendously wide reach uh, for the for the potential entrepreneur so it's a it's a rich rich mix there for you it is. Of course, it's also up to the entrepreneur how they utilize that. But I would say that it's definitely a very valuable resource that you might not otherwise have. Do you vet the people that, or the, the, the entrepreneurs that come on? Do you, do you check uh, to make sure that their, their proposition is sound before you admit them? Or, or are you um, uh, essentially allowing the crowd to do the vetting? I think it's a combination of both. Um, we like the idea of crowd control that we get enough people to actually validate cases. Of course, uh, before any, for example, micro-investment deals are closed, we do the normal uh, legal due diligence, Indeed. checking that everybody is who they say they are, that everything's in place. But for the actual business due diligence, this type of, um, you know, just making sure that the deal is sound, yes. that's something that since we don't have a crystal ball at Grow VC, and we don't want to say that this is a good deal or this is a bad deal because uh, it's it's in a way in um, it's in a way in contrast to our ethos and why we actually built this platform yeah. that we want to make it a bottom up approach because if we have thousands of people that are uh, ready to invest in some company, then it must mean something. And it must be smarter than, for example, if uh, you and I were to say that that's a good company and that's a bad company. Yeah. I think it's also part of this um, uh, this di dilemma in the venture capital space that I think, I, I remember a quote that, that I like very much that 
in the venture capital space, a 70% failure, failure rate is considered good. Yes. And that's, that's a problem in itself, that if we actually consider 70% failures a good rate, then that, that really says something about the industry itself. Indeed. Now, of course, it's a hard industry. I'm not saying that. But 70% is awfully high. And if we're taking those types of gambles, it would just make sense to take those types of gambles with uh, less money and distribute it early on to more cases so that we can see which work. Yes. And I guess the, the other, the corollary of, the, of that uh, high and aggressive risk profile is generally a high and aggressive expectation of return in the traditional model. Uh, hence the, the in, traditional investors wanting larger slices of equity, more aggressive returns in shorter periods, where if you have a higher success rate, then you can be slightly more uh, tempered, if you will, in, in that kind of aggressive expectation of return. Definitely. And that's definitely a problem in today's economy as well. That when there's deals with, uh, like you said, for example, high stakes and high valuations, then it also forces the exit market to move or it limits the opportunities in the exit market for the investors. So yep. it also restrains the entrepreneurs a lot and the kind of the path that they, they're on. So in a way, we also like to think that we're just providing a new marketplace for all the existing players. So for example, like venture capitalists, they have no reason to operate in the early stages because their cost structure isn't built for that. But at the same time, for them to follow on an invest investment that they've seen in the early stages and just watch it develop. If people invest $5,000 into a company and the company does A, B, and C with the 5,000 and actually shows results for that, then it's a lot easier to invest the next round when you actually have traction and data on what they did before. So it's kind of this idea that in order to be a venture capitalist or an angel investor, you don't have to start out investing 20000 or 50000 or 200000 You could start out by investing $20 and yeah. just seeing how it goes. And then if you want to, you could invest uh, $15,000 later on. But at the same time, once the company actually looks ready for the bigger investors and the bigger types of investments, then... It doesn't help if you approach them at that point. It would be so much better for you as an investor to have been in the loop earlier on yes. with your contribution, with your expertise, and just kind of aiding the entrepreneurs. Yeah. Because when there's the next Skype, it's it's very hard to persuade the entrepreneurs to take your money at that point. Whereas yeah. earlier on, that might be very easy. Yeah. And so in, in a way, you're actually lowering the barrier to entry for investors as well, so that there, there are people that can potentially get involved with this who may not be as high net worth individuals as the typical um, traditional investor, if you will. Definitely. Um, I definitely see that there's also different models to that. They don't have to invest early on, but just being able to see the information and see the development and follow the companies, because we also talk about for example, if you think about potential employees to companies, they also need to be kind of, they also need to be sold on the company, yeah. especially those that join startups that are uncertain, that have their ups and downs and hurdles and whatnot. Then, if you actually follow on the com follow the company for some time and get impressed by what they're doing and kind of have a an ongoing banter with the founders, it definitely uh, not only gives you an interesting opportunity for the future to be involved with the company, but it definitely also gives you uh, much more information about where you're going. And the same is true not just for employees, but 
all sorts of advisors, mentors, but also even, for example, incubators looking for startups. That you need to somehow be able to see the startup's timeline, if you will, where they've come from, what they've done, and kind of just, you know, we, we'd like to think of this concept that normally when you see an application to an incubator, for example, you get a snapshot of where the company is right now. And you get there, of course, their prognosis of where they might be and so on. But we like to think of our service as providing a, a full timeline, a video, of where they come from, what they've done, and what they've actually accomplished. And this goes not just for the startups, but also for the investors. Because we're big believers in transparency. And we see that by being transparent and providing information on the, all the different types of actors, we can also not just lower the barrier to entry, but we can also minimize the transaction costs in these processes and make sure that people that take capital from investors that know the investors' track records as well, where they can add value, what they've done before, how their other investments have worked. And that's something that you just can't get in the traditional setting, at least not that easy. Indeed. You mentioned there uh, driving down transaction costs. What, what's the sort of typical costs associated with, with uh, raising capital through something like uh, Grow VC? Um, that's a good question. That's, I'm going to give you a boring answer that it depends a lot on lots of different things. Of like, course. for example, the funding model, uh, if, if the startup is collecting micro-investors or if it's collecting uh, private individuals, angel investors per se. But it also depends on the region. If you have a startup that has investors in different regions and so on. But we always work to minimize these and just make sure that we find the most efficient model. Yeah. This means that we work with local actors on the ground. So, for example, if we have a case in a specific region, we'll, uh, we have a certified network of different partners like uh, advisory firms or law boutiques or whatever yeah. that can then help on the ground because we can't presume that we know what's best or who the best partner is in 200 different countries. That's, Absolutely. But we definitely see that by just kind of having this process that we do the matchmaking online, we align people's in, uh, people's intentions online and then once everybody actually wants to see the deal made then at that point we do the the proper legal diligence we do the work that require that's required we do structured deals and and whatever there there is to do with that but doing work up front where you don't necessarily know if the case is going to work out or not if a company is actually going to raise capital mm -hmm. then if you have a startup that's that's not going to be successful, that's not going to raise capital, and you do due diligence on that ahead of time, then that's ultimately wasted capital. Yes. But this is also where the kind of network of networks comes in, that we work with different analysts and different types of companies that can then certify and provide more different types of viewpoints to different types of companies so that we can get even more information to these, these uncertain companies and just, well, just into the early stage in general. Yeah. Okay. I'm conscious of the fact that I've taken quite a lot of your time, Marcus. So if I wind up with a final question, if, if I were an entrepreneur um, looking to, to uh, raise some funding and find some resources to take my embryonic business onto the next stage, that I'm presented with a very uh, rich and growing number of platforms that I can approach these days, uh, certainly for crowdfunding. Why would I come to Grow VC as opposed to one of the other platforms? Well, 
that depends, of course, a lot on who you are as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And we, we're in this for the long term. And we definitely want to make sure that the entrepreneurs pick the right choice for them. So for that, there might be a reason for the entrepreneur, for example, if they're from a specific location that has a specific, specific uh, platform that's perfect for them and they want to stay in that, that location, then that might be the better choice for them. But the good thing is that online you can most likely try lots of different things and see what works for you. The good thing about GrowVC is that it's a very global platform. And also with these different types of networks, you can also access different types of people and different types of services. And for startups, getting in, getting in the loop with the right type of people early on, those people that might be valuable for for you, let's say, a year into the future, or a couple of years in the future. And that's also incredibly, incredibly powerful. But I would say that GrowVC is perfect for those that actually want to do something global, that want to tap into different markets that they might not have access to right away, that want to then expand their business and do something or grow something that's cross-border, that's big. But at the same time, there's lots of great innovations out there. There's lots of different platforms coming up left and right. But just a word of warning with that, because mm -hmm. we've definitely seen the ecosystem develop over the last, uh, let's say, three years. And there's more platforms popping up probably in 2012 than there has been ever before. So it's always a good idea to check the track records, check the history, and just kind of check the people behind the, the platform itself. Yeah. Because we've seen so many companies, so many platforms come and go already in this time mm. that it would be a shame for an entrepreneur to waste their time on something that that's going to prove redundant in the long term. Yeah. So definitely always kind of do your background and do your homework in terms of of the platforms. But most of the time, it's just very much depends on what entrepreneurs go for or what entrepreneurs actually wish to accomplish. But GrowVC is definitely a global ecosystem, and it's something that we put a lot of work into already, but we're just getting started in terms of building that, that entire network of networks. I think right now we're at over 150 different networks that are actively engaged, uh, providing different types of services like incubators, accelerators, angel investors, and all types of different actors that play into this, this startup ecosystem. Brilliant. But, that's something that is early on, but this entire market, of course, is still developing. So I Fantastic. think I think there's lots of potential, but it always takes time. It does indeed. And and we've taken enough of yours. So uh, thank you very much indeed for taking the time to speak to us, Marcus. That was uh, really interesting. Our thanks then to Marcus for taking the time out of his busy schedule to speak to us about GrowVC. You can find out more about them if you go to their website at www.growvc.com. And if you'd like to learn how social can help your organisation, go to www.twintangibles.co.uk. This has been a Twin Tangibles production. My name is Tim Wright. I hope you've enjoyed it.